a podcast by two guys that used to date and now they don't. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Whedon. I'm another one of your hosts, Matthew Fisher. Is that what you wanted out of that? Yeah, I'm just trying new things, you know? Low energy open. Smooth, think, low energy. I think this is one of the problems with like you spending so much time in the editing room. It's <laughs> like you hear our standard high energy, ha, like intros so much that you're numb to them. Yeah. So you're just craving variety, a little relief. Do you think our audience isn't? They're, they're just like, what the fuck? I mean, I like to think that our audience is just spending eight hours a week with our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't pouring nice? over every moment <laughs> re-listening for every um and uh and stutter and all that good stuff but uh you know to find a mistake that you may like oh he let that one go <laughs> sometimes i do because it sounds more natural yeah you can't make us sound too stilted otherwise it doesn't sound believable sure it doesn't <laughs> Uh, hi, we, Matt. Hi, how are you? <laughs> good, 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 good. It's been a week. What have you been up to? Gosh, uh, not much. I'm reading a book right now that I'm enjoying. Okay. It's about a murder bot. It's about a robot who likes to watch TV, but it's a murder bot. It's called so, All Systems Red, The Murder Bot Diaries. I was, I was going to say, are you reaching, reading Futurama, the novelization? <laughs> the Bender Years? There. <laughs> yeah. Now, no one will be able to say I don't own John Larroquette's spine. It's uh, it's good. It's good. Pulpy. Easy. I'm loving it. Oh, okay. How about you? What are you up to? Well, I've been spending a lot of time researching bad gay movies. Because <laughs> I just realized, like, oh, God, I've been watching these things for years. And a lot of them predate when I was, like, keeping any sort of record, like, my, before my letterbox or anything like that. So I'm, like, really having to, like do a deep dive to like refresh my memory okay and it is not pleasant (laughs) i too have been uh watching extra going to like the extra credit i'm doing extra credit this season going to like the tla website and being like okay what did you guys release oh yeah the strand releasing Mm -hmm, site mm -hmm, be like mm -hmm. all right jog my memory here and just how i'm like oh i can't choose that that movie's too bad (laughs) but the fun part about like this little nostalgia trip is that while doing this, like I came across one that I saw like shortly after high school that we may or may not be doing for the podcast, so that one will remain anonymous for the time being. Okay, but it did jog my memory to like when I was like a, a little gaby and like the first thing that like got me hard like in a gay way. Mm. I mean, when you're like, you know. 13, 14, 15, like anything gets you hard. Like oh you'll be God. sitting in class hearing like the most boring thing ever, having zero erotic thoughts, and it just happens. Yeah. And it's obnoxious, and there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to wait it out. Yep. Hope the bell doesn't ring right too <laughs> soon. You never know what's going to happen at that age. <laughs> I always remember for some reason it was like in science class for me, like it would happen. And I don't remember what about science class if there was talking about blood pulsing or like the biology of it all like if that just sparked something but learned about pollination maybe (laughs) my only memories of like especially like that era of science was one my science teacher was crazy but two i guess we're going through the scientific method over and over again (laughs) 
Like hypothesis, we get it. <laughs> I'll go first, but I'm going to posit the question now. Okay. What was the first thing, gay thing, that really made your dick pop? What gave you your first gay boner? I'll go with mine. I remember I was <laughs> in the bathroom trying to rub one off. Okay. And this is like, comparatively speaking, it was tough for me in those early days. Okay. Because... If my parents weren't home, I'd sneak into my parents' room and, like, get my stepdad's copy of either Hustler or Playboy. Okay. And, like, it was still more difficult than I thought it should have <laughs> been. <laughs> but nonetheless, like, I, I managed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I remember I was in the bathroom trying to get the job done, and I was flipping through a Rolling Stone magazine, and it had an interview with Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. <laughs> Titanic had just come out, so he was, like, a big thing. Sure. And there was a picture of him... Like, his back turned, but, like, his head peering over his shoulder. <laughs> and I just... It's like, ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Suddenly, like, everything started sparking, and the, the whole job got done a lot easier. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was like, I think something just awoke in me. <laughs> but that was, like, my first, like... I, so, Titanic came out in, what, 96? 97. 97. Yeah. So, yeah, I would have been 12, 13, Right around that time that article came out. That sounds about right. And yeah, it was just like all alarms went off and like I didn't know why. And like even like completing the job, I, like there was no specific image in my head. It was just Leonardo DiCaprio looking over his shoulder back at me. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, you can look up Rolling Stone magazine. I did. Uh, no, I looked it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> so don't worry. I'll share it with everyone. <laughs> I can't wait to see this. Oh, it's so lame. <laughs> like, you see it now, it won't even register as something uh, with any modicum of eroticism attached to it. But it did the trick. It did the trick, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you? When did when did Chris O'Donnell go from uh, being a real cool guy to, like, you know, the object of your affection? <laughs> well, it actually, my first, like sexy gay moment happened before I realized that Chris O'Donnell was a cool guy Mm. and realizing my parents for some reason and maybe other people in the 90s this happened to too they got the Fredericks of Hollywood catalog (laughs) (laughs) don't know why I couldn't couldn't tell you couldn't tell you why that was showing up at our house and uh, I was a latchkey kid and I think I was about the same age as you might have been. I was probably like 12, 13, maybe 14, somewhere in there. 14 seems old. Probably 13. Uh, and I would came home first before everybody, and I saw that it was in the mail. You know, I brought in the mail, and it was in there, and I was like, I'm going to go look at this. I know I'm not supposed to, but I'm going to. And I remember flipping through page after page of sexy women wearing sexy clothing and kind of just... I don't know, like having a thrill that like, oh, I shouldn't be looking at this, but not really feeling anything. And then I turned and like the next to last page is just a bunch of like uh, little thongs for dudes. Oh, <laughs> immediately like game change. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly it was like, I love this magazine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I remember like turning over one more page and there like, being more women stuff and being like, oh, man. And it's like just this one page of like cocks in banana hammocks uh-huh, and uh-huh. I tore it out <laughs> and kept it yeah because I liked looking at it not really understanding why I liked looking at it but I just remember being like I gotta I'm gonna keep I gotta this. get in shape I gotta be like one of these guys <laughs> even though it was 
clearly just a crotch shot. <laughs> oh, there was no tops? No, I oh. was thinking, I think in my brain it was like, oh, this is sexy. This is what like sexy feels like. Mm. And so I was like, I was thinking about maybe like getting one mm. so I could feel sexy. Mm. But um, it's quite clear now with yeah. retrospect <laughs> that I was just into dicks. Yeah. <laughs> a movie to talk about yes we do today we're talking about another bad gay movie this time it's 2003's testosterone the manliest of hormones <laughs> yeah maybe caused all those problems we were talking about earlier probably uh involved probably testosterone some related. testosterone yeah. was in there f- fucking things up yeah so this movie is uh, a little bit, I think, of an improvement on last week's addition to the bad gay movies. A hair. I watched this with my boyfriend, and A, he has a question. He was like, why are you guys subjecting each other (laughs) to these terrible movies, and why are you hurting innocent bystanders? (laughs) But he did say that this was a lot better than altitude falling because this didn't look like it was filmed over eight days on like a motorola <laughs> yeah. yeah there was some money here yeah this is uh this was released by strand releasing as you mentioned earlier which mm-hmm. great source for um bad game movies for bad game movies you always know if that like like logo of the city with the smoke comes mm-hmm. up you're like oh we're, we're in for something so, yep period something <laughs> and um I don't know. So, okay, this one is... I, I like things about it. When I read the description of it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this sounds like it's going to be maybe even good. <laughs> and at first, it kind of starts off you're like, oh, okay, our main character, you know, he's like, he's a scoundrel, kind of a... Um, what, what's the word? Um, Rake? He's, he's like uh, rakish, yeah. He's a jerk, but like uh, the lovable jerk. Mm-hmm. I think that's an archetype you and I can get Fall behind. into? Yeah. <laughs> But um, the movie fails to include the lovable part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He's just kind of an insufferable prick. So uh, just to be clear, are you talking about David Sutcliffe or Anthony Sabato Jr.? (laughs) David Sutcliffe. Oh, okay. Oh, you think he was was the rake? Yeah, I think he's very handsome and like devilish, but he sucks. Oh, see, I thought that. Uh, Sabato Jr. was, you know, the devil may care. Uh, you finally like tamed the wild beast, who, but then he got away. Mm. Like that's who I thought you were talking about. No, I'm talking about our main character. Wait, what Dean. is what? What does he do that's so rakish? Well, he, I think he he's supposed to be graphic novels. I think, I, I think he's supposed to be kind of like devilish and rakish i think he's supposed to be this like uh lovable jerk kind of a han solo type character mm, mm. but he is not yeah he he f- does not rise to that occasion no i didn't get that reading at all from him <laughs> i just feel like that's what they're hoping for and i think that's what i was hoping for when i first started watching this movie mm-hmm. but he just fails to have any charm he's hot i'll give him that so uh david sutcliffe was 
on a little show called Gilmore Girls. Mm. He plays Rory's father, Chris. Is he hot on the show? Oh, yeah. Like, capital D, Dilf. Oh, wow. Um, it helps now if I go back and watch it, because the whole premise of the show is that Lorelai was a teen bride, so it's like she's a young mom right. still. So it's like she's, like, like closing in on 40 when her daughter's graduating from high school okay. or something like that. So, like, if I watch it now, I'm like, oh, he's 36, 37, like, super age appropriate. Yeah. But even, like, 10 years ago when I watched the show, I was like, him, <laughs> he's the hot one. So, you know, for everyone out there who is Team Max or Team Luke or even if this person exists, Team Jason, which if you do, please let me know. I have some questions. <laughs> Up until when Christopher becomes sort of an abusive asshole in the last couple of seasons, like I was always like, why don't they get back together? Mm. He was a lot more clean cut than he is here. Okay. Clean shaven, blonde, just... Mm. Mm. See, I'm into him in this movie. I like the stubble. I like the oh, long it, hair. I like the chest hair. It works for him. It, it works well <sighs> for him, but... Yeah, I'm into all that. Yeah, so no... Get, having the opportunity to see his butt, that was real nice. Oh, yeah. yeah Can't I mean, do that on TV. No. Yeah, I mean, you only get a glimpse of it, a fleeting glimpse, unfortunately, mm -hmm. yeah. but it is there. You get like an outline of balls, too, but that's about it. Yeah, a little scrote, a little yeah. scrote action. So I'll, I'll do the cha-ching for that. <laughs> I will say it's nice to see that, like, when they were making out, it was at least appealing. Sure. Uh, <laughs> unlike <laughs> Altitude Falling, where the making out was just a train wreck. See, okay, this is... <laughs> This is partially why I chose this movie. I thought we were going to, like, ease our audience into this. You know, start with one finger and then work your way up. Yeah. And you're just, like, you just rammed Red. it in there. I beat I mean, my fist. I mean, I'm experienced, so I can handle it. But I'm worried about our audience, Matt. I was like, is it in? <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll have to ask Michael how uh, he feels because he's clearly collateral damage in this project. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he he wasn't super on board for this one, but like he got up and like made some food about halfway <laughs> into it. But with Altitude Falling, like he got up and left. Oh, yeah. Like he was like, you just keep, I have no intention of watching this full thing. Yeah. It's, but it's... with Testosterone, nah, he, he was like, eh, it's boring, but... You know, it's a real movie. <laughs> yeah. It is boring. So, okay, quick plot synopsis. Dean, played by... David Sutcliffe. David Sutcliffe, meets and falls in love with Antonio Sabato Jr., whose name character name is Pablo. Yes. And uh, they live together for six months, going to circuit parties and the beach and doing drugs, I guess. And uh, it's, like, told over, like, a comic book pan-o-vision Yeah. Thing. With like the, the the titles are in Comic Sans, over this like horrible <laughs> tango music. Yeah, like, it's. It, I think it's supposed to give this idea that this is kind of lighthearted. Yeah, it's like a pink martini knockoff sort of music. Yeah, and it comes back a lot. Well, because they go to Argentina, right? Which is like where the tango comes from. Oh, I feel like that's the only reason that they use that music because it. It's not, it's not my first choice for. The, the background of this one. But so uh, Pablo and Tenor Spotter Jr. leaves inexplicably. He went out for cigarettes and is gone. And so our main character, Dean, goes to find him in kind of a psychopathic way. Yeah, he's 
the movie doesn't show him doing sort of uh, the uh, first round of searches. The phone calls, the checking out the usual haunts, the calling friends and family to get whereabouts, the general looking around. It kind of cuts from, like, he left to I'm, like, panicked and... I guess I would be worried that like, oh my God, he was kidnapped or beaten up. Yeah, I would or go to something. the police. <laughs> but there's this jump to like, he left me and I'm furious. Yeah. And we have no idea how he got this information that he was left, like, as opposed to like harm coming to Pablo. Well, he confronts Pablo's mom at the art, art- gallery. Yeah. And like assaults her in front of a bunch of people. Yeah, it was strange. Let go of me! Damn it! Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. But she speaks to him in Spanish, and apparently he learned no Spanish in the six months that he and Pablo were together because he's just like, "What'd she say? What'd she say?" But I guess he pieces it together that obviously something is going on with the family. So yeah, I don't know. There, there's a leap. It, it sometimes I felt like a page was lost out of the script because <laughs> sometimes there's just like a leap in logic where I'm like, I'm following this movie and I consider myself to be fairly intelligent. <laughs> like I feel like I should be able to follow the trends of this movie. But yeah, so it's like the, the jump from Pablo leaving to Dean like feverishly looking for him like out of anger. Yeah, because he wants to hurt him not like i want to talk this out yeah not a good look for our main character yeah he kind of comes off as like borderline obsessive abusive yeah sort of yeah and it comes out on some of the other characters too like the way he treats that girl in the um sophia the one who works in the cafe wait a minute you you must know more than three words because you said i only speak two words which is already it's Oh, it's a whole sentence. Oh, yeah. It's like such a bully to her. Yeah. And like, he's just fucking rude. Yeah. I mean, luckily there's Jennifer Coolidge around who seems to be able to uh, uh, give it as good as she gets it. There's one saving grace in this movie. It's Jennifer Coolidge. Boy, but she just wasn't featured enough in this movie, if you ask me. And you know what? You can, uh, there's just such a stark difference between the movie she is or what she's giving and what everybody else is giving. (laughs) I would say that she put in the same determination and grit as she did in the Legally Blonde movies. There you go. I love snow globes. I can hear the ocean. I mean, I love Jennifer Coolidge. We all love Jennifer Coolidge. But she said that after, like, the American Pie boom, Uh that every day just, like, 15 scripts arrived on her door, and her part was just, like, old horny slut. Oh. And so it took her, like, time, like... She kept doing roles that were specifically not that. Uh-huh. Uh, and I feel like this is one of those roles she's like, this is the only one <laughs> where I'm not playing some old horny slut. <laughs> Mouthy uh, publicist. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like the line when she's, uh, she's trying to promote him at the art gallery and she's like, Dean, this is Marshall's dealer, Mr. Ottenhaus. Did I tell you he was dangerous or what? He just said cunt right here in public. Now that's edgy. But then, of course, she has... The great line. I'm coming home, Louise. There's a flight leaving tonight at 10 o'clock. I'll be in L.A. tomorrow at noon. Great. Well, I'll shave my pussy. Which is in the trailer. That's the line that's in the trailer where I was like, if I saw the trailer before I saw this movie, I'd be so bummed. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> that's the biggest laugh of the movie. Well, I mean, the movie's not supposed to be a comedy, though, I guess. See, that's where, like, that's another thing is, like, with the opening sh- credits being in Comic Sans with that f- kind of silly tango music, like, I think this movie is supposed to be kind of, like, wryly funny, you know? Mm. Like, it's supposed to be... It's supposed to be kind of a romp, but they're playing it so seriously. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like no one told David Sutcliffe that this yeah, is yeah, yeah. supposed to be like a dark comedy or a satire or some sort of bizarre slice of life or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I feel like, and I feel like it's an easy fix. Like, I think all you have to do is make him be like drunk. I was going to say make him a lovable buffoon, but I guess uh, yeah. a drunk could work, I, too. I almost feel like he's miscast, because like, while he's hot and like a serviceable actor, mm-hmm. I want somebody who has a little more skin in the game. Like, mm. What if he wasn't as attractive as David Sutcliffe? Would yeah. you have watched it if the lead actor wasn't attractive? <sighs> I, don't, I mean, but like you could go less conventionally attractive, perhaps. Okay. Because if, like, you still have shirtless Antonio Sabato Jr. on the box. Who's like, also, like, for arguably being the bigger name of the two, he's not in the movie a whole lot. No. Uh, we do see his dick, though. We do see his dick, though. Kind of out of the blue. Like, you're not really expecting it when you see it. It's like a flashback. And yeah. Like, Moves the present, and you're like, oh. Oh. I rewound it because I was like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I thought they were going to tastefully dance around it. I was like, oh. It's almost like this, like, they just called cut and he happened to be naked he's like okay i can put this prop down (laughs) and they're like we're using that one (laughs) i have trouble believing that david suckliffe is so hung up on this guy when like he's just a handsome dude on his own (laughs) who could like get over it well so he goes to argentina a he seems to hit it off with that bellboy that cute little bellboy pretty quickly yeah but then he also like picks up that dude in the cafe yeah and they go back to his hotel or his motel or whatever it is Mm -hmm. the ritz they get into his apartment and like all signs point to banging and then it comes out that this dude in the cafe knows pablo and had sex with him and suddenly he's like pablo and i were monogamous (laughs) i'm like well what did you bring this guy up here for then (laughs) Like, I know that if I met an attractive stranger in a cafe and he invited me back to his hotel room, like, if he started playing the monogamy card. (laughs) After my shirt's off and my pants. I just, wow. No wonder that guy goes and bangs the bellboy after that. Like, Like, immediately. (laughs) But I, I think, like, four minutes go by between him leaving that place and, like, full on anal intercourse. Yeah. (laughs) It's very inconsistent that way why would you be upset because he banged him like we're gay it happens like yeah. all the time that's one trope in gay movies that i don't quite understand it's like you had sex with someone before you had sex with me <laughs> this is outrageous <laughs> and i'm like yeah well probably yeah. like they're not like old by any means in this movie but like both actors have to be like mid to late 30s at the very least yeah 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 so you know the idea that they had sex with another person before they met you yeah seems i don't know reasonable 
Yeah, and I mean, like, I know Buenos Aires is a pretty big city, but, like, gays are still only a certain percentage of the population, and so the chances that they met and had sex are pretty high, so... Uh, quick semi-aside, did you watch the deleted scenes in this? I did not. Oh, there's a scene where Dean goes to an Argentinian bathhouse oh. looking for Pablo that uh, also has some nice little nudie bits well, in it. Well, rats. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> Not crumbs. <laughs> Fiddlesticks. <laughs> so this movie tries to, like, I didn't fully grasp that it was trying to, like, uh, create this Chinatown-esque web of mystery. <laughs> You didn't think the plot would be this twisty, did you? <laughs> well, mostly because the twists don't really seem like twists. It's like he meets somebody, but it, there's no real weight or consequences to the scenes. It's not like he meets someone and gets like new information or like his world is thrown upside down. Or I mean, it kind of is when he finds out that the boy from the cafe knew Pablo and had sex with him. And it's like, but it just kind of comes across as like him being unstable. Yeah. Because as we're like nearing the end and like he's piecing together the conspiracy, I'm like, ah, uh, I mean, no offense, movie. <laughs> nothing about this felt like a mystery. Right. Like, nothing about this felt like we were finding our way through the fog. Like, I was just like, <laughs> he goes here, he talks to this person, he goes here, he talks to this person. And, like, the way that, like, the camera kind of, like, moves and, like, the look in Dean's eyes as he's, like, putting the puzzle pieces together. I'm like, oh, this was supposed to be, like, a whodunit or, like, a, a vanishing type mystery. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't get that. No. Well, okay. So I have a question. Are you talking about when he realizes that he needs to kill Pablo because he's getting married to Sophia? Or are you talking about the whole end where like, no, maybe what's his name didn't commit suicide. Yeah. Like that part where it's like, no, I think it's right before he goes to get the chainsaw when he sees like Pablo, like walk out of the chapel with okay. the wife. Okay. And some, and like he sees like, everyone involved and like that's when it like comes together for him that like pablo is like marrying this woman to like get her name and she's marrying him for the money and then the mother was in on it the whole time and right. then the girl from the cafe is like the sister or no no the woman from the cafe is the dude from the cafe's sister who used to date pablo and so right. like they know the whole thing and it's like he has this realization that it's all connected right and i'm like oh it's trying to be that kind of movie yeah i didn't get it, that watch no it. yeah it fails on every level for that yeah like i was just oh no okay okay well then so then there's that but then my question to you is i mean we're jumping to the end here but like it's a very ambiguous ending. We don't know if he actually does end up killing Pablo by chopping off his head and putting him in a cooler. Mm-hmm. It, but it, the movie hints that he did. Number one, one of the deleted scenes addresses this uh, oh. ambiguity. But and then the final shot is of, and we didn't talk about this yet, but that one point, Marcos, who is the guy he picked up in the cafe mm-hmm. and did not have sex with, they do end up having sex. And that next morning, he goes and shoots himself, presumably. Yeah. 
Because then in the very final scene, he comes out and has a cigarette with his sister. Right. Which I was like, is he a ghost? Or did he like stage that whole thing so that Dean would go and kill what's his name to get them out of the wedding? Like, what is that about? Yeah, see, I, I was a little confused by it too because I was like, oh, did he fake his own death? Which is like during that scene, I was like, why is no one calling the police? Like, nobody yeah. calls the police. I mean, I kept a list of all the crimes that, that Dean committed in this movie. And one of them is failure to... Uh, report a cadaver <laughs> so and so at the end i was like oh did he fake his own death so that dean would then go hunt down pablo and do something but marcos's motivations aren't entirely clear like my guess is that marcos just didn't want pablo to get married to a his woman. sister yeah because that's his sister yeah so he wanted to get her out of the wedding like, this is all a perfect way to do that is if we get this American who's in love with him to come and kill him out of jealousy. Very convoluted. And that's thinking several steps ahead. I mean, we're filling in a lot of steps for the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, like, we're, we're doing a lot of the legwork here. Because, yeah, that, I mean, that's the only thing I was like, Marcos must have not wanted Pablo to get married to his sister because presumably he still wanted to have sex with him, I guess. But it's like his family was getting money out of the deal. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like I've seen enough pornos where like uh, a dude is having sex with his gay brother-in-law that they could make it work. <laughs> yeah. Um, Especially yeah. if it's all just a show wedding anyway and everyone knows yeah, that. Yeah, because like the sister seems to be- know about it. She doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Seems drastic. <laughs> to do murder. Also, it's not like you'd think Pablo had like sworn off cock at that point because like at the wedding, he's, like, actively trying to have sex with someone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was risky business. I mean, there were people all over that place. Yeah, it's not No like one's going to miss the groom for whatever. He was, like, behind a glass door with a curtain. <laughs> like, it's not like they went up into, like, the attic or to, like, some secluded part. They just snuck away to the room next to the reception. <laughs> yeah. And an unlocked door <sighs> that Dean... Open silently and sneaks into. <laughs> yeah. It was troubling. It's, yeah. Um, just while we're on the, the crimes that Dean commits, these are all the ones that I found. Mm. Assault. Who did he assault? He assaulted the oh, mother. The, the mother at the yeah. art gallery, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pointing a gun at a police officer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he did that, I was like, I'm pretty sure they'd arrest your ass for that. Like, they wouldn't let you just run away. Yeah. And be like, oh, well, I got my gun back. I guess no harm, no foul. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Failure to report a dead body. Breaking and entering. He breaks into the mom's house that one at one point. Oh, yeah. Um, and, like, stalks around. Yeah. Kidnapping. He kidnaps Pablo at one point. And then maybe murder. I put murder question mark. <laughs> murder question mark. Uh, well, what's the scene that addresses that? Oh, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Like, do you really want those spoilers? Yes. Well, I mean... Part of the fun of these movies is that with the mystery, the movie lives on in our heads longer than the, the film reel. Kill it. Kill the movie. I want it out of my head. So the deleted scene, he opens the box and the head starts talking to him. I want a cigarette. A cigarette? What are you going to do with a cigarette? Your lungs are in the southern hemisphere, my friend. So it is his head. It is his head and it's like covered with ice and it's like actually like... Anthony Sabato Jr.'s head, like in there talking to him, it's actually kind of funny. Like it's it, it next to like I'll shave my pussy. It's probably the funniest part oh, of okay. the movie. Um, but it's also one of those things like 
if that was the ending of the movie, like if I was in a theater, like watching this, <laughs> and that was the ending, I'd go ask for my money back. <laughs> it's like da 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 da. Yeah, no, it was uh, no, it was real bad. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. Like, I think this movie is supposed to be kind of funny. And I think they could achieve that if they had him be a little more buffoony. And I think they could have achieved that by having him just drink more. <laughs> Up the buffoonery, maybe uh, uh, nix the the low level crimes. Yeah, <laughs> cut, cut away some of the the heinous crimes. But like even that scene where he's intimidating Sophia in the cafe would make a little more sense if he was a little drunk while doing it. Wait a minute, you you must know more than three words. I only speak two words, which is already... I know you can speak more than three words of English, because <laughs> you you're... just said a whole bunch more. Yeah. <laughs> so, gotcha. <laughs> like, that's kind of funny, rather than, like, staring her down and, like, I know you speak English. If, if he was drunk a whole bunch, and every time, like, he called someone, I was like, well, you just spoke more than three words of English, so <laughs> case closed. <laughs> This is a great punch up. <laughs> I don't know if that would make a great movie. <laughs> like drunk MacGruber out like on the prowl. Like I don't know. That would explain his like rating of the hardware store too. That line where he he's what does he say like I'm just a fag with a gun who needs a chainsaw. I swear to God, I was like, oh, I must have misheard him because <laughs> he could not have just said who needs a chainsaw. And then what's the very next scene? Him in a hardware store trying out chainsaws. As far as crazy people trying out chainsaws at a chainsaw store, this has to rank as number two. Okay. <laughs> number one being when Dennis Hopper is trying out his chainsaw in the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Okay. Because that one, he's just clearly coked out of his mind. <laughs> Probably shouldn't be handling a chainsaw. Probably not. Like, he's like a crazy person with that thing. <laughs> but I was like, are you really just allowed to, like, start a chainsaw, like, inside the store? I doubt it. Ugh. They must have safety mechanisms in place for that, like. Maybe they don't put the actual chain on it till after you leave or something. Yeah, it's sold separately. Or they don't put gas in them. <laughs> like, yeah, that seems a little weird. I don't know if I keep fully loaded chainsaws just on the shelf. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I don't run a hardware store, and I'm not going to tell you how to run your hardware store. But <laughs> in my hardware store, the chain's off the chainsaw until you purchase it. Your hardware store is all metallic dildos and slings, and you know it. <laughs> Well, you need material to hang that sling. You know it. You need an how eyelet. Is a chainsaw hook. going to help you hang a sling? Well, how are you supposed to cut the chains <laughs> to get them to length, the proper length, to hang your sling? They don't call it a chainsaw because it cuts through chains. They call it a chainsaw because there's a chain on the thing that spins. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Let's turn to our audience but, for this well, one. <laughs> Ryan's house of chainsaws, we do things a little differently, don't we? <laughs> So yeah, I don't know the chainsaw stuff. I was I don't know why he felt he needed a chainsaw because he was gonna cut up, cut him up. But I still don't understand why he had murder. the gun. Yeah, why does he like, take I feel him like back? A chainsaw is a downgrade from a gun. Why does he take the body back with him? Oh, once That's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess 
if there's a, a a linchpin that this movie didn't have, it's the uh, sort of bond between those two. Yeah. Like, because we get their backstory in graphic novel form, mm-hmm. and we don't actually see any real-life chemistry, it kind of that hate, lust, passion, a mm-hmm. little muted here. It's lost little on us. A little muted. Yeah. Pablo licks that piece of cake off of Dean's face, mm-hmm. and they make out in their boxer shorts. Yeah. The makeout which, scenes were fun. I'll, yeah. I'll give it that. I almost feel like this movie wasn't sexy enough. No. And if you'll notice from the uh, picture of the DVD that I sent you, it said like a sexy and gritty thriller or something like that. Yeah. And I don't know. Not really any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun fact. So Antonio Sabato Jr. ran for senator, I think. Like uh, congressperson. Congressperson two or three years ago. And the person that was running against him called this movie pornographic. By today's standards, this movie is not pornographic in the slightest. Like, you see a butt, you see a dick, but, like... Desperate Living was more pornographic than this. Yeah. By a lot. <laughs> By a landslide. Also, Antonio Sabato Jr., now, apparently... Huge Republican. Yeah. Very uh, homophobic. Just like. Oh, he's homophobic too? Yeah, he's embarrassed by these these roles he did, apparently. Aside, I'm always confused as to when these sort of like mid-level celebrities become Republicans. Scott Baio. I mean, Chuck Norris, I guess, kind of makes sense. Yeah. I know Bruce Willis Dean was. Dean Cain. That's an excellent example. Kevin Sorbo. Oh, is Kevin Sorbo too? I know. Yeah. I just, I don't get it. Maybe it has something to do with like uh, toxic masculinity where they were promised something more mm. than they actually got. And so that makes them conservative. Uh, you, you mean Dean Cain is just like, uh, well, that Denzel in Training Day, he only got it because he was black. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He doesn't actually see Denzel performing. He's just like, ah, he just got it because of his skin color. <laughs> Back when I was Superman, <laughs> things were different. So, all right, question for you. This isn't a big question. This is a, a obvious, dull question. Okay. What is testosterone referring to here? Like, these aren't people just overwhelmed <sighs> with, like, animal... Ma- these aren't, like, Stanley Kowalski's, like, raging against one another, like... You could arguably call Streetcar Named Desire testosterone. It would make more sense than this movie. Uh, yeah. Gee whiz. No good answer for that. Um, I guess because it's like, and this is actually something that uh, is probably going to come into play later, mm-hmm. but there is like a certain amount of internalized homophobia around this time period of gay movies where like it was either... You could make a movie where somebody was hyper-masculine in, in, in every way except that, like, they were gay. Or you could make, you know, like a drag queen movie or something like The Birdcage, right? So it's yeah. like there is this, like, I don't know, this need to be super masculine that I think that this movie's trying to sell. Like, you can be gay, but, like, you're also It's the mask still. for mask thing. Yeah. yeah. I, something like that is, is my best guess. Because it's like, yeah, Anthony Sabato Jr., he's like, he's ripped and he's like tall and like none of them have a limp in their wrist or mm-hmm. a swish in their step or a, a sibilant S or anything like that. Like there's yeah. none of that stuff that I've personally prefer in my gay friends. <laughs> or even like the stuff they're into, you know, it's like he's a graphic novelist mm-hmm. and like. 
We don't know what Pablo does. You look around his house, he has a poster of the Max, which is like, you know, neither here nor there. And like Marcos, too, like obviously a homosexual, but we don't know anything about him except that he reads graphic novels. Not a lot there. Yeah, I mean, that that's really like the only coloring we get of the characters is if they do or do not like comic books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, they're just pawns. Yeah, other than that, they're just, uh, uh, you know, exposition machines. <laughs> While I was watching, I was trying to think, like, where is the testosterone coming in to this? Because I just, I don't see anyone being that hormonal or, or anything. Like, I don't know. Maybe there's... that's why he went. Like, his testosterone levels just shot through the roof and he couldn't take it anymore. And he was acting all on emotion. Maybe, but, like, even a movie like Shame, which I know that you don't like, kind of illustrates that better, like, at the end of the movie when he, like, goes to the bathhouse and gets the blowjob from the dude. I'm like, okay, you could call this movie testosterone, and it would make sense. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but I think if we call this movie estrogen, it would make more sense. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it just doesn't, even though it is sort of that mask for mask thing, it doesn't really come across that masculine of a movie yeah it's not a it's not even like a gay movie now that i think about it it's just sort of like this inhabits this weird no man's land because even though our main character is ostensibly gay it just it doesn't feel that way like it doesn't have any of those signature things that make it feel like a queer movie at all but, you know, still better than Altitude Falling. Still better than Altitude Falling. I will agree with that. So uh, I'm going to take this time, bring back this bit from last week. Okay. Uh, reassessed opinions. We may have hated this movie, but there are people who loved it. And those people deserve to have their voices heard. (laughs) So, I think this movie was big in the uh, English as a second language community. Mm -hmm. That Anthony Sabato Jr. really drew in the... uh, Sure. Because I I don't want to make fun of people's broken English, but some of these reviews, I think... Google Translate didn't capture well enough. Okay, okay, okay. And that said, I don't speak another language, so... If I ever leave a review in a different language, feel free to make fun of me. Okay, great. This is a very good movie. Great, very sexy cast and great plot. Be sure to watch deleted scenes. Very much recommended. The transaction was also perfect. <laughs> Five stars. Huh. Wait, wait, wait. What transaction do you think they're talking about? <laughs> the transaction. I, I, I oh, feel like translation must, maybe? <laughs> oh, maybe. Or maybe the transfer or something. Oh, okay. Because okay, I don't okay. think this had subtitles. No, yeah, that when she spoke in, when they spoke in Spanish, we didn't know. Um, you know, there's that line where he's like, "Hey, if you're gonna haul me off to rot some third world shithole, at least have the courtesy to do it in English." Great comedy, both leads pretty, especially David Sutcliffe. All the twists and turns made it a delight to watch. But then I'm a slut. <laughs> <laughs> that a that's all one sentence. Huh. No punctuation whatsoever. And just 
but then I'm a slut. Hmm. And, and the way that it looks in there, it's like, but then I'm a slut. <laughs> <laughs> Not like, but then again, I'm a slut, but then I'm a slut. <laughs> if you've ever been burned by a guy, this is the one to see for revenge. <laughs> This shows in this dark comedy what happens when the man you love says, I will be back, and never returns, and you want to know what happens, and you go looking for him. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens. It sure does. (laughs) This is just picture perfect of what happened to me. Here, I want to read one. (laughs) I do not know how the title of this film was born or what part of the story the title refers to. But the film is definitely worth to watch. A story full of surprises, good solid action, and nice pictures. The story is good and gets more interesting during the film. Some really good surprises. The characters are interesting and the actors have some mouth-watering looks. Good entertainment. Oh, the title of that one was Surprises Always Happen. Oh, God. Well, I'm marking that one as helpful. <laughs> this is from an IMDb user, The Hyphen King, from August 2nd, 2004. A smart, funny thriller. It's new and interesting direction for gay films, and one that I enjoyed because it refuses to follow the usual stereotypes for gay men. I saw it in a packed theater. <laughs> <laughs> In San Francisco, where the audience seemed to totally enjoy the ride, director David Morton daringly lets the film turn dark, and he's not afraid to show an obsessive gay man acting as freaked out as an obsessive straight man. What? (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) He allows his characters to be human and flawed, but this is also a great crossover film for straight audiences. (laughs) I went with three friends, including a straight couple, and they all liked it, too. Antonio Sabato Jr. had a surprisingly funny character. Jennifer Coolidge is hilarious, as usual. And Selena Font is terrific as the Argentinian woman who wins in the end. I think women will love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Say, you know, maybe we're just out of touch. Maybe we're up here in our ivory tower... Looking down at these lowly films, <laughs> just casting judgment amongst these like maybe hardworking independent filmmakers that are the backbone of the film industry. Maybe we're just using our gay privilege, yeah, and we're blinded by it, and we can't see that this is actually a movie for straight people. <laughs> <laughs> through another bad game movie wow i feel there can't be that many more there's so many more ryan uh, we've barely gotten into the mountain i mean you and i are double t- we're tag team in this one mm-hmm. we're eiffel towering it <laughs> top in the mine cart and head over to uh whatever's next next week i'm gonna give us some relief oh phew there's a line between being like can't be good and can't be bad okay and this movie uses that line as a jump rope. Oh. It is called 
pornography, a thriller. Okay. And uh, with a little luck, we might have a, a little little guess at the at the tail end of our episode. Oh yeah. We just might. You know, we'll have to sit on it. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Okay. Well, mysterious. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, pornography, a thriller. You know, this is the third movie in a row now that we've tried to watch that's a gay thriller. <laughs> I'm nervous. We're not batting a thousand here. Well, would you really call Altitude Falling a thriller? No, but that's what you were in the mood for when you picked it up. <laughs> it is. That's true. That's true. That's true. And it says thriller on the cover of testosterone. So and yeah, it's right there on the front. So <sighs> this one I think will be a slight breath of fresh air in our otherwise well because. I don't know about you, but I've been watching other bad game movies to jog my memory. And oh, like, yeah. Oh, I don't know how we developed the tolerance for this. It's called Hunger for Representation. I guess. Well, anything else you want to say before we take off? I'm glad we're on this journey. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe we only have eight more <laughs> episodes to go. Um, let's plug our junk and get the fuck out of here. Follow us on Twitter at X-Rated Movies. Follow us on Facebook at Rated X Movies. Write us an email, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And check out our website, xratedmovies.com. Especially because like iTunes only keeps 100 episodes at a time. So right. anything before that, you got to go to the website to listen to. Right. Those dark early days. <laughs> it's the only place you're going to find our review of you know, Phantom of the Paradise or Mother or... Whatever else was in that first 10 episodes. Uh, yeah. Return of the Living Dead. Sweet Hereafter. Broadcast news. Oh, man. Boy, we really picked some hard hitters in those first 10 I know, episodes. We kind of blew our water early, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> and uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for us. We got our first Jimmy Stewart, Stewart Blumpkin. <laughs> More like that, please. Thank you. I think the user was Clarinet. Claret. Clairol? Clair something. Anyway, thank you for that. We really appreciate it. And I appreciate you getting that ball rolling. So look, mm-hmm. you don't you're now if you go on there and you do and you just type in Jimmy Stewart Blumkin five stars, you're not gonna be the first. Somebody's <laughs> already started the the trend. So no, no, no need to feel ashamed. Yeah, it's actually pr- pretty exciting to be the second. So when you think about it. Yeah. That's about everything, right? Yeah, I think so. Cool, cool, cool. Join us next week for pornography a thriller and maybe a special guest time will tell time will tell thanks for listening keep reaching for that rainbow